Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. All right. Hello, hello, hello. I have a new guest co-host, Anna Vucino. She's been on the show before. We've talked about her weight loss journey and NSNG, and we have so much fun talking that she agreed to come for some more episodes to talk. Just, and we're going to have all these different conversations. And today I really wanted to focus in um, an introduction. So, and we'll talk about both of our jobs and the lives that we've created. And what I want to talk about is a slasher career. So way back in my archives years ago, back in like 2008, 2009, I interviewed Marcy Alberher, who wrote a book named, and I should know this, multiple careers, multiple something. I'll have to, I'll put it in the show notes. I'm sorry, Marcy, but she talked about slasher careers in meaning like I am a radio talk show host. I'm a life coach. I run a youth swim team. And I think that's, I think that might cover it. Um, when I was at the college, when I was teaching and I was a tenure professor, I was the head woman's water polo coach slash head men's and women's swimming coach and diving coach slash fitness instructor slash health professor. So I've always had all these slashes. <laughs> I have the longest profession title in my career or in my district. So yeah. Anna, you are a slasher careerist too. Yeah, I believe I believe I fit under that umbrella, the slasher <laughs> umbrella, which is so funny. Slasher to me reminds me of slasher flick. So I'm thinking of horror movies. But um, yes, hyphenates. They call them hyphenates sometimes in Hollywood. Okay. He's a writer, actor, producer. She's a model, actress, whatever. That's a big one. Model, actress, whatever. That's when you want to be really dismissive of, of, a, of a female who's pretty and you think she's dumb and then she hopefully will come back and surprise you. She's just a model actress, whatever. <laughs> I am not a model actress, whatever. <laughs> I am, okay, what am I? I'm an actress. I am a voiceover talent. I am a podcaster. I'm a cookbook author. And then, you know, the whole wife, mom, personal stuff too. <laughs> and blogger. Uh, you know, here's the, you know, I remember when I first, when Gary Vaynerchuk's first book, Crush It, came out, which is like such an easy super read. Anybody working in new media, if you're not, if you haven't read that book and all of his other books, go read them all. Um, but he was the first one who said, because I had a really hard time around 2006, 2007, trying to reconcile how can you want to pursue one avenue respectably, but then you have these other interests. Like how, and I, it's kind of like back in the day, the stereotype was everybody who wanted to be an actor wanted to be a film actor. And people who worked in TV were hacks. Mm -hmm. And then film actors started doing television. And it blew everyone's mind. And, um, and uh, I mean, granted, they started doing HBO shows, but then they, then they started appearing on primetime network shows. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like broke that mold, broke. And then, and now TV started around 2006, 2007, started to be some of the best written yep. television out there. I would much rather sit and binge watch House of Cards than go to the movie theater anymore. Yep. Unless it's a really good movie that I'm anticipating, which is maybe like four times a year. Yep. So, so Gary Vaynerchuk was the first one who said, 
you can be, I can't remember the exact example he used, but like you can be a dog trainer who also, you know, who also likes to be a scrapbooker. You know, like you can, you can have two worlds out there. You can be a hyphenate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause I always thought, how can I be an actor and remain respectable? And, and if I'm up the, if I'm blogging gluten-free recipes, <laughs> it seems like it would be the antithesis of that, putting yourself out there on the internet. Mm-hmm. But I, I've since gotten over that. <laughs> You know, the thing that comes to mind is like this idea of being legitimate. I think there used to be, and maybe I'm wrong, but uh, there used to be this idea that if you were really legitimate, you would just have one title. You wouldn't have these like right. slashers. Yes. If you were really drilled down in the thing that you do, you would just be that thing. Mm-hmm. And and then I, and that always felt like, but I have a million different interests. I have a, I'm a creative person. Uh, there's a bunch of things I want to do bef- what, with my short time on this earth. And I can't do them all if I just say I'm an actor. I have to be, I have to make peace with it because there's other things I want to create. So how do you um, own that legitimacy? Practice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just I've done it over the years and now I'm old enough to not really care what other people think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of it, like I said, is that there are a lot of barriers that have been broken down with the, the whole internets. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at Ashton Kutcher being an actor, but he's so heavily involved in the tech space and he's very passionate there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Before you would be like, what is this, you know, ditzy, good looking actor himbo dude doing over in the tech space? Oh, that guy's actually pretty smart. Oh, that guy's actually following what his passion is. I remember seeing an interview with Will Smith and same type of thing. And I know everybody likes to make fun of Will Smith because he's probably like one of the most positive, happy people in the world and very successful, obviously. But um, but he said like, oh, I've only accomplished about 2% of the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> but less than you. <laughs> 0.02%. <percent. laughs> but I've, I've done a couple of things. <laughs> But I, I, I think, yeah. How do you get legitimate? You just practice it. I think you have to own it. Like, just, yeah, you know, you have to, you you have to do it, practice it, right, and then just own it instead of thinking that the only way to legitimize it is if you were to do one thing, yeah, right, um, and then hide the other. I mean, I used to kind of try to keep all my world separate, but swimming is such a big part of who I am. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like the language that I understand. And so I use that a lot, like I, whether it's with as a metaphor when I'm working with clients or when I'm trying to understand something, I go and I test it out in the swimming world because I understand that world. Um, and so for me, it's I just had I had to just finally own it and say, this is just what I do. It doesn't make sense. I can't just put one label on me. I think the big thing that I'm, it all gets drilled down to is that whether it's the show, the team I run, the clients that I work with is that I try to create a safe place so that people can really show up in their lives, right? And and really achieve. And so that's where everything gets drilled down. I just have different platforms that I use to help people get to that spot. I think that, yes, everything at its essence is the same. It's you, but then you're like funneled Mm -hmm. into these different interests and different segments to educate, uplift, and entertain those people in those segments using those methodologies. And I think that like the whole legitimacy BS, 
that we've been fed <laughs> or that bought into. And maybe it's a female thing too. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe women like to, um, you know, I don't know. That's uh, probably an overgeneralization. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. Why did we, why do we decide? How do we decide that it's not legitimate to be interested in several things? Look at somebody like Richard Branson, who I know is a huge role model for all sorts of entrepreneurs and just people in general. Look at how, how many fingers and he's gotten all those pies. Mm-hmm. There's Virgin Air, there's Virgin Mobile, there's Virgin Produced, there's Virgin, you know, whatever. Virgin everything, virgin trains. That's the cool thing. When you go to England, you take a virgin train. They're, they're the best trains. Um, and, and, and nobody ever said like, Richard Branson, you better stick to one thing, okay? <laughs> well, dude, back off because it's too much with you. <laughs> they're all like, that's awesome. That dude says, I'm going to try this new thing. And then he goes and does it. Cool. You know, I think about like when I first started the show, I think that was one of the messages that I really wanted to get out is that people that did a whole bunch of different things and getting out of that old world of work where this is what you did for the next 30 years. Oh, right. sounds terrible. <laughs> I can't do it. See, I kind of hunger for that. But then as soon as like when I was at the college and I was teaching, it's like, oh, I, I really hungered for that. But then after a while, I felt like I was in Groundhog's Day, right? Yeah, so I, sure. I want a bit of a structure. But I can't have it to be where it's just a repeat, where it gets too easy. Like I still, that struggle piece, it's that puzzle that I'm trying to put together, you know? And and like even for the shows, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? And thinking about it, part of me goes, oh, why can't it just be easy? But then the good stuff comes from that struggle. I truly believe that. So, Oh, absolutely. The good stuff comes out of all that contrast that we experience. I like that whole Abraham Hicks material talks about that stuff and how we, we weren't really put on this earth to regurgitate. We were put on this earth to create. So that's why, and then there's some of us who have a strong aversion to the regurgitation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's why like, I could get bored doing voiceovers. Like I know that obviously I'm going to hunker down. And like yesterday I was doing the the phone system for Lexus Financial Services. So if you have your loan through Lexus Financial Services and you have to call, you're going to go through a horrible phone tree with me as the automated voice. I apologize. <laughs> Especially because you probably paid really good money for that car and you don't deserve that. But um, <laughs> but so be it. But they get to but, hear your voice. So but that's they, a great way. At least way. it's me. At least it's me and not a robot, you know. So I, uh, you know, and as I'm going through this and it's an hour and a half, which is not a long amount of time, but it's a long amount of time to be repeating the same things over and over again. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Your last <laughs> payment due was 140. Well, not 100 because it's a Lexus. Your last payment due was $783.42. So saying that kind of stuff over and over again for an hour and a half, it does get a little grating, but I'm not digging ditches or anything. And it's interesting because it's like, I know, I call them my, my mortgage payers. I know I got to pay a mortgage. So when those those types of jobs come along. Yes, of course, I'm free. Let's do it. But that's how like somebody else can go, oh my God, you worked an hour and a half and you made that much. That's awesome. But I can go, I've been doing this for years. It's getting boring. It's time to go do something else with my free time. Mm -hmm. And that's where the slasher careers come up. Oh, I like this. Oh, I've always liked that. What about this? What about that? Oh, how can I make money off of this? So how do you figure out how to, how, but that transition of making money and doing something else. I don't, I don't want to make it seem like 
oh, I just always wanted to do voiceover. So I tried it and then I was making six figures a year because <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> oh, you know what? I always was interested in blogging gluten-free recipes and now I have a book deal. Doesn't work that way. And by the way, I don't have a book deal. Let's just be clear. I'm self-publishing my book. So, um, but some people do that and you hear stories like that all the time and it, it's confusing. So how do you do it? How do you make the transition? Gosh, that's like 10 shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because we have a lot of time I know, together. We have, we have seven more shows to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you do it? How do you eat the elephant one bite at a time? I'm not advocating eating elephants. I love elephants. Please save the elephants. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one time, uh, one of my mentors who was at Oprah Radio, he had said to me, it's not the how, it's the why. Figure out the yeah. why and the how will take care of itself. And part of me is like, no, 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 no. I need to know exactly the blueprint. <laughs> well, that's the people who, who like us who produce stuff. You know what I mean? The producers in us go, no, no, no. How is it? Because I'm going to produce that. I'm going to figure out how to do it and just go do it. I'm just going to power through it. I'm just going to march right into it and just slam. If any, Even if I have to slam my head against the wall, I will slam my head against the wall so many times it will break down the wall. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be that hard. What your producer friend was saying is find out the why and then the wall just kind of drops. Mm -hmm. And then you can step forward. Yeah. It, it's crazy because it's not this tangible thing that you can see, but it's been so often the case of, you know, the, uh, the things that I've been able to do and be tenured at 29 and, and have that part of my old life, right? Being that. That's incredible. It, it, that, I just knew that there, there was this desire that I had and um, in it, though, I knew what I, what I wanted to do. I knew why I wanted to do it. And then the opportunities came about. And, mm -hmm. and then as I've transitioned to another phase of my life, it was kind of the same thing. You know, I, when I first started this radio show eight and a half years ago, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know who you were, right? You didn't right. know who I was. Right. But here we are. Here we are. So Best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to LA one day and you're going to teach me how to make chicken thighs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you won't vomit from raw meat. It'll be great. I roasted the I roast the best chicken. I roasted a chicken last night, like the best chicken. I'm going to teach you how. Okay. You're going to love it. Okay, Sounds so good. easy. So you you actually started out in education, didn't you? Because I recall you taught in Atlanta. Oh, I did briefly. It was a it was a really interesting period in my life when I graduated from college and I was still uh, working at my theater. Um, as a company member and a founder at Whole World Theater in Atlanta. And uh, I was 23, and a friend of mine had gotten hired through Jane Fonda's Performing Arts Program for Youth. And um, it, and it was when she was still married to Ted Turner. That, it was that long ago. And um, she was looking for teachers. And so to do what we had to do, we didn't have to be certified because we were basically going and teaching this curriculum from this guy from Boston who's teaching a drama curriculum that's improv-based that's specifically geared towards uh, troubled youth to help them out. Boy, did I get, I got in and over my head. And, um, <laughs> but it was, it was great. It was a great experience. And, and um, I did discover, because then I also taught uh, kindergartners for a little while and I was like, no way, never again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard job. Oh my, I don't know how they do it. Kindergarten teachers and nurses need awards. <laughs> they need spa days once a month. <laughs> they need to be paid better. Yes. Because I, I can't, I can't even. Um, 
so yeah, so I did teach, I, I did teach a lot of, uh, I, I think teaching's kind of in my nature. I think mm -hmm. it is, it's in your nature too. Mm -hmm. You just want to like tell, I've learned this, this has helped me. So I naturally want to tell a friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why having a radio show is a really good thing because right? I used to, with my athletes, I'd say, you have to read this book. You have to, you know, and then once I had a radio show, I just, oh, I interview the author who wrote the book, right? There's all kinds so of stuff. Fun. So it's great because it can be an invitation, not an obligation. I'm not, I have, a, I have a venue for people, I have a platform for people who want to learn this stuff. Right, exactly. People who are going to constantly come back. And, and I'm one of those people. I'm the same way. I'm constantly looking for content that I'm going to learn from that's going to inspire me, that's going to entertain me. Mm -hmm. That's always my rule too for social media. Anything social media, it's got to inspire, entertain, or educate. Mm -hmm. And if it's not under one of those three, it better be a really good reason like crappy customer service at Best Buy, mm -hmm. <laughs> which if you look at my Twitter feed, you'll see some posts about that, <laughs> but not many. <laughs> well, so the intention for the show, I mean, this is back from, I don't know, back, back in the day, but it's always been inspire, empower, and inform, right? Inspire, empower. I like that. That's inspire, great. Inspire, empower, and inform. Mm -hmm. So, and then how, what nuggets can the, the listeners take that they can maybe, hey, go, oh, hey, this is either evidence in my life that this is fine or, oh, that sounds really good. Let me go mm -hmm. t test it out. Yeah. That's awesome. So we're we're trying to in, in, inspire and inform them that it's okay to have an, a slasher career. You are legitimate. Cause, so I know there's some people that are in my swimming world and they, they either don't know that I'm a life coach or don't even know about my radio show. Um, and then, uh, but they're like, really, is that a real job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But do you make any money yeah, at that? Yeah, do you make any money at that? Yeah. And yeah. and it is a real job. Like I I really support myself on, <laughs> is, as a life coach. It is coach. a real job. We're here to tell you, Corinne's got a real job. <laughs> so I, you know, there's, it, but it, it's different. It's different than when I worked at the college and I had that platform to stand behind, right, right. or stand on top of. I guess. Well, yeah. There's a certain amount of uh, when you're with an organization or a company and it g gives you some legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And um, that's also part of be in a slasher career. Sometimes you've got to just go out on your own and it's really scary. But then that's always the most rewarding when you can get it to work and be sustainable. How do you handle it being scary? Well, things are often scary. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. And I think dealing with fear is just part of the the game. And I remember when I was on a show called Free Radio uh, a few years back, I remember just really hoping that the show would go so that I didn't have to do the work of believing in myself standing on my own. Ooh. If that show would just go and be successful, then that could launch me into something else. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. It went two seasons, but nobody watched it. And it, and it made me sad because for many reasons, first of all, because it was a great show, but also because then I had to realize that I was doing that thing that I do, which is let's co-collab, let's collaborate <laughs> so that I don't have to like believe in myself. If I can just believe in this project, then I don't have to step into my own. Mm -hmm. because it, sometimes going out on your own is scary. Mm -hmm. And even even most recently, working with Vinny on the Angriest Trainer podcast, 
which is great. And by the way, it's nominated again for podcast of the year in the health and fitness category. Um, Go to podcastawards.com and vote, please. Um, Anyway, like doing that is like, again, I'm co-hosting something with somebody. And what I had to learn was through writing this cookbook was that I am this is another instance, another exercise, another opportunity offered to me by the universe of doing something on my own and stepping into my voice and what I have to say and trusting that it's all going to be okay. I think that is going to resonate so much with the listeners. Right. Because that's be surprised how often you try to hide behind, well, I'll just be, I'll just be a, a part of my family. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have to step out on my own and believe in myself. I'll just be a part of this company because it gives me legitimacy. I'll just be a part of this organization because we both and and there's nothing wrong with all of that. That's all wonderful. But if the, if you're using it to mask your own insecurities, there's gonna eventually that's gonna come out. That's gonna come to a head. It at least in my experience, it it has many times. Yeah, I love what you said about, you know, wanting that show to just go so that you didn't have to believe in yourself and stand on your own, Mm -hmm. right? We do that with relationships. We do that with Mm -hmm. jobs. We do that. I mean, we do that in so many areas where we, we don't, I had to give a talk a couple of months ago and um, I did not want, I wanted to do this talk and it was something that I really, really wanted to do. And it was when September, when I was, you know, asked to come to this conference and speak, I was like, yes. It was on my list. And two days before, I was like, I'm going to call them. I'm going to step out of it. <laughs> I'm going to quit. Yeah. Right. All of these things right. because I was so afraid because I was really yeah. going to be seen. I was going to use my voice. And even though, you know, listeners are going to say, well, Karen, you use your voice every week on the show. But it was me, right? We're here with, I'm with you. I have a co host. There are other times I have a guest who's on my show, but right. it was going to be me standing Just in the you, front baby. of the room. Right. And all of that stuff. And it was like, oh, gosh. And I, of course, I didn't quit because that's not what I'm going to do. And it helped me. I think I was able to take that anxiety and that fear to help me funnel me into doing a really good job. I could have let it shut me down, but I let it help me do a really good job. And I did a really good job in the talk. And so I was thankful afterwards. (laughs) And and relieved it was over. (laughs) I was relieved it was over. But it takes so much courage. It does to do that. It does. And I get that because being an actor, I have no problem standing up by myself. Let's say I had a monologue to do on stage as a character. And it was like a two, three page monologue with the spotlight on me. Mm -hmm. No problem. Mm -hmm. I can do that easy. Can nail it. Mm -hmm. But you know, this is where the fear of public speaking comes in. When you're yourself, I get way more nervous if I have to give a talk somewhere because it's me. Mm-hmm. And this, these are my beliefs and my thoughts and my insights. And if you don't like them, you don't like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if that's going to be true, then I have to make peace with that. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot scarier than being like, oh, it's okay if you didn't like the, it was the writing or I get it. If you don't like my acting style or whatever. Because that's not me, the essence of who I am, which mm-hmm. is so funny because it's all kind of the same. But for some reason in my head, I have this line of demarcation like, well, if it's actually me, that's much scarier. Well, it's because the layers, right? Because there is the writing. Yeah. There is this is this could be maybe other people's work and that you're you're you are doing it. Right. But it's somebody else. So there's a layer. Like yeah. if you come on and people say, oh, I hate the show. I can say, oh, I can just put, oh, it was Anna's fault. Right. Not that that's right. the case, but it's <laughs> it a little. It usually is Anna's fault. <laughs> 
That's all right. <laughs> but <laughs> when you go up and you speak and it's just you, I mean, that you're, mm-hmm. I mean, that's where we're kind of like taking, you know, we're going behind, I would say the green curtain. It's like, we are truly going to be vulnerable, you know, and we're allowing yeah. this, I mean, <laughs> vulnerabilities, uncertainty, emotional exposure and risk. Yeah. And those are three things that I practice, but they're not, they're not in the comfort zone of my life. <laughs> yeah, of course. They're not in the comfort zone of many people's lives. I mean, okay, so Meryl Streep, I guess, would be like a, a, a master at being vulnerable. In, in fact, she talks about, she did some interview where she said, like, the people said, what do you think about when you're acting? She's like, what I'm going to have for lunch later. And I was like, that's ballsy. <laughs> that's that's some good stuff right there. That because she's just so easy about it. It just flows. Mm-hmm. To, she's like a savant, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but but she's practiced being vulnerable because mm-hmm. there's a lot of tears that can come out take after take. I'm like, where is? How does she do that? And that's why she's a legend and yes. very revered. But yeah, there's. It's very rare that somebody has practiced vulnerability. And gotten good at it. Yeah. No, it's... it's... Let's everybody do our vulnerability exercises. <laughs> but in some ways, like you and I being, you know, when you go week after week and you tape all these shows that we've done, right? You've done them with yeah. Vinny. I've been doing these shows for a long time. And so there's this comfort level where we can be vulnerable here in this space. Yeah. And that's comfortable. You know, if I were to go and do acting, I would... T- totally fall apart right there because yeah. I don't have that practice where if, if I go and lead my organization and I have to do a big parents meeting, that's not a problem. Or right. when, you know, I would have these huge classes I was teaching at the college and stand up in front of the room, not a problem at all. So that, and this is the important thing I think for the listeners is that people will look at me and go, well, Corinne, you have this radio show, you lead this organization, right? Uh, you used to teach in college. Why can't you stand up in front of a room full of people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I hope, but I also, let me be devil's advocate too. I feel like if you don't have a little bit of nerves before you go on stage, whether it's acting or speaking or going on camera, go walking into a room for an interview or an audition, if you don't have some kind of nerves going in, you're, you're not human anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you've lost, like, I think that's a good sign mm-hmm. because it shows that you still care. It shows that, okay, there's, there's still something to be managed. You have to manage those nerves. Or maybe, you know, may, or, or if you get to the point even where you're excited, those are still nerves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the goal. I don't know. But I just think if once you're just not nervous anymore, it's weird. You've lost touch with, you're now a robot. Well, it goes back to what we talked earlier about struggle, right? That struggle, that's part of what gives us our creativity, that that edge. Yeah. And there's this guy you would actually probably really like him. His name's Todd Cashton. I interviewed him a while back, but he wrote The Upside of the Dark Side. And he's writing a, it down. He's a positive psychology professor out at George Mason. And oh, cool. that's uh, where I'm from. And he's, in Arlington. He's awesome. Like if I were to go back to college, I would be taking his class. I would want to take every class that he taught. Oh, that's great. Yeah. A positive psychologist. Yeah, it's a positive psychologist. He's part of that whole movement. But he talks about great. the dark side and how with the dark sides, there's an upside to it. There's an importance. And again, that whole week I was having my meltdown about my talk. I was also having a meltdown about him coming on my show. Like I had just gotten in my head all this, all these fears. And so all week I kept going, maybe he'll just 
cancel on me. <laughs> right? right. Maybe he'll just cancel because I won't quit. So maybe he'll cancel. So I was really anxious. We did the show. And then afterwards he said, wow, you know, you're really good. I do a lot of radio interviews. You do such a good job, you know. And I said, I was so anxious. And he said, well, that's actually a good thing. That's probably why you did so well. Makes you focus. Because for me, again, it's, I could have chosen to shut down right? And quit and hit away. Or I can use that energy to help me get to like, okay, how, how can I funnel that to, to do a really good job in that interview? Right. Right. That's good. And you made the choice to funnel it into doing a really good job. I think that's the whole thing is it is an active choice. I love this conversation about nerves because I, I am in a business where I have to audition a lot. And so the nerves thing is something to be managed every day. And every day it's a choice. Do I let my nerves water down my choices that I'm making when I walk into the room? Or do I let my nerves be channeled into something where I can focus the energy into being even better than I thought I could be? It's a choice. It's sometimes a very subconscious choice. You want to make it an active choice. But we've all walked out of a thing and gone, God, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I drink that? You know what I mean? Like, we've all walked out of those things and gone, geez, why am I such an a-hole? And not like like an a-hole, like being rude, but like, why am I, why did I choose to be a smaller version of myself? Ooh. Why did I actively choose that? Why did I play it small? I didn't need to do that. Why do you choose sometimes to be a smaller version of yourself? Because you're scared. Because you just want them to like you. <laughs> or sometimes you don't even care about them, but in a moment you just like, you panic. I don't know. This could be any number of reasons. There are myriad reasons. Tencent word. You know, I think for me, why I choose to be a smaller version of myself is that, you know, it's that it's all that I'm a fraud. I'm not good enough. Right. Um, the fraud thing. That's a big one. You know, and then for me, I mean, I'm 5'11". And so I'm already... God, awesome. I'm already a big person. And then I have a loud voice like I can and and I can have presence. And so I think sometimes being a female, not wanting to be intimidating, like I'm already physically intimidating. Mm, and then I have sometimes I think I will dim myself down. I'll make myself smaller because of that. Right. Because yeah. it's like, oh, I don't want to be because con- it can be. My, I don't want to be too much. I've been be, told I'm too much. Or I don't con- want to be too much. I don't want to be confrontational. I got to say, that's what the whole, with the, the sobriety experiment that I did last year, the hundred days of no drinking was a very interesting experiment in, uh, realizing that you're Anna, you're just like to have fun at parties. I call myself the party tramp. Like it doesn't matter if alcohol is involved. You're going to be the loudest one at the party. That's just who you are. You're <sighs> gregarious is a nice way to put it. Um, <laughs> you know, and so, so there's that urge to like, well, I'll just play it small because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be obnoxious. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or my own. <laughs> but, but then what's the cost to you when you do play it small? Well, it all, I guess it depends. Sometimes it doesn't matter and the stakes are low. Sometimes it does matter. And it's that big interview you've been wanting. It's that big fundraising call. You, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is, whatever the stakes are in your life. It's that big audition, which I hate big auditions for that very reason, because it's really, really hard. You have so many opportunities. Like when I found out that John Hamm auditioned for Don Draper seven different times. Wow. And that the fact that he could stay focused 
enough to keep going back and not let each time that they call him in break him down. A friend of mine, you know, it's pilot season right now, and a friend of mine um, was, what happens is that the process is sometimes you get pre-read by casting, and then you'll come back and read with casting and maybe the creators of the show. And then if they like, if you're moving forward, they'll ask you to test. And then you test for the studio that's producing it. And then if they like you, usually it's the same day. You'll move forward and you'll test for the network. And usually by that point, maybe it's like five people testing for studio, maybe like three people testing for network. Okay. So my friend had gotten to the point of testing for studio and then she found out it's not going to go any further and you just go home and that's it. And, um, and by the way, you've also too, you've signed your contracts for the next seven years before you test for studio, because what happens is they don't want the actor going into test for the show without having contracts in place. And then the agents find out that they're the number one choice and the agents are going to gouge the network. So you agree on a price before that you'll be paid for the next seven years. Well, seven, seven years. A television contract is seven years. Cable, sometimes it can be two to four years, but network is seven years. Because that's usually what they want the show to run in order, but they want it to run four years to go into syndication. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so seven years. If it's a hit show like Modern Family, they go back in after the first season and they renegotiate the contracts. Okay. But so it's not like they're making what they signed for. Yeah, no, 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 no. They go in and renegotiate. But for for a lot of shows that that are just going to keep going and kind of run nicely, but not be you know breakout hits that aren't making a ton of money, they're just going to get paid that, and you get your bump every year that's in your contract. Mm-hmm. So so there's a lot going on in your mind. You're thinking, oh gosh, if I get this, I'm going to get this much money. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, so she was told, go go back, you, go home. We're done. You're not going to move forward. So that maybe that's like a Thursday. And by Saturday, they had called her saying, actually, can you come back to do a work session on Monday? And she's got to go back in and smile at like nothing had happened and not break. And she did it because she that they had her test for network. Ultimately, they did have her test and she got the part. And I'm like, How? that's amazing. Any Any actor who can withstand that kind of pressure and just walk in and be so graceful and so elegant and just be like, hey, whatever you guys need. Yeah, you want me to do the scene again? Okay, great. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get it? No problem. I'm going to go home now. Great. And then go home and have a meltdown. Well, it, I don't know if you remember this, but when we talked before, I've talked about that transactional mindset, right? It's that Starbucks. You you walk in, you place your order and then you get your coffee. And so many people wouldn't go to Starbucks if they walked in, they placed their order, they gave money and never knew if they'd get a coffee. But isn't right. that what happens as an actor? So true. That's great. Well, and that's the thing. That's it. It's not a cause and effect business of any one particular thing. Like just because you do give the best audition of your life doesn't mean you're going to get the part. In fact, most of the time it means you're not. Really? And so, well, not, I mean, most of all the auditions, because you audition way more than you ever work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's part of it. And, but there's all these other ancillary things that happen. You go and audition and then casting likes you and they keep calling you in. And then you get a job, 10 jobs down the line. That's that's going to be the job that launches you. <laughs> like Eric Stone Street with Jeff Greenberg, who's the casting director of Modern Family. Modern Family's on my, my brain right now, obviously. Um, Eric, Jeff Greenberg called in Eric Stone Street for years. He's like, that guy's a good actor. And then when the role of Cam comes up in Modern Family, he's he was so out in left field with making that choice of bringing in Eric Stone Street. But he's just like, that guy could do it. That guy could really do it. 
And he did. And look at him. Three Emmys later, Golden Globes, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was the question? <laughs> well, it was about the trans it was about the transaction. Oh, the transaction. Yeah. It's it's A plus B doesn't always equal C. Mm-hmm. And but eventually it will. And and eventually you build a career. And it's really hard to manage that space in between because I think we want to figure it out. Well, if I go to Harvard Law. And then I, I clerk with the best judge on Capitol Hill. And then eventually I will work my way up to, you know what I mean? You, there's a path, mm-hmm. but there's not a path with, a lot of the times with something creative. That's a great segue back to our slasher careers. Yep. Well done. Hey, <laughs> I, did, I didn't mean to. I don't know what I'm saying most of the time. <laughs> but but that's, I think, exactly why, you know, like the legitimacy or the slasher careers. But I think... You know, and, and granted, my my show is kind of had been in this realm since 2006. That the world of work is more in that realm than in the old model of here's your job, you climb up this ladder. I mean, there's right. still some places that have that, but there's it's not as much, right? And so, how do you manage that space in between? How do you manage that space in between? Drugs. <laughs> Wait. Sugar. Wait. Raw sugar. <laughs> Grains. No. Shopping. Gambling. Sex. I don't know. (laughs) How do you manage that space in between? Well, for me, uh, what came, what grew out of it was Mm glutenfreeanna.com podcasting with the angriest trainer, with the angriest (laughs) trainer, which is so out of left field. What a left field choice. Like I'm not in the fitness space. That's not my thing. I like exercising. You know what I mean? Like it's what comes out of it is like, you got to keep yourself busy because it's too easy to go. When I first moved to LA and I was 28, I met with so many agents and managers and they're all really well-meaning, but they're all just trying to get you out of their office because they're not interested because you're, you're too green. You know what I mean? And, and unfortunately I moved when I was 28. Maybe I should have done it when I was 22. I don't know. We can't change it now, but so many people said, oh, you don't have enough credits. Oh, you're, we have too many of you. Oh, we have a, uh, you're just to this, or you're just to that. You're not pretty enough. You're too pretty to be character, but not pretty enough to be leading lady. And all these things I heard a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways from a bunch of different people who are already established in the business. So how do you go, okay, how am I not going to decide that I'm not worthy? (laughs) <laughs> because all these people just told me I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. So first there's that battle. Then there's, okay, now you kind of get over that and you realize I can start working and you start working, but the jobs are few and far between. How do you manage that space? Well, I like to fill the time with stuff or, you know, you have to have a day job or you have to, you know, and it, it's just, it keeps evolving. You just try to fill it with the most productive thing possible and and meditating every day would be good. <laughs> <laughs> would be good. So I'm taking you're not a meditator. No, I I am. I am. Oh. <laughs> I am. I now. I wish I had done I wish I had started it 20 years ago. Okay. Well, you you started it when it became yeah. a necessary tool. Yeah. Yeah. Go. So filling the space. So let's let's go back to this doing the podcast with Vinny. Mm-hmm. Right. So you get set up to do this podcast with Vinny. Right. And it's so out in left field. Yeah. Now, here's the thing with the transactional mindset. Most people say, well, if I do this, then I need I need this outcome. 
right? And I'm always explaining to people sometimes. I ha- so here's a story. Let's just take a break for mm-hmm. a second. So I was in mm-hmm. Portland last summer. I was at the World Domination Summit. And um, I was with a colleague. And we had gone, gone to a meetup to meet a, meet a friend of ours, Pam Slim, who's been a guest on the show many times. And then afterwards, we were going to dinner. And we are trying to figure out where to go. And we... You know, we we just knew we were hungry and we wanted something within walking distance. And so all of a sudden we look down the street, there's a Mexican restaurant. We walk in there and it's, 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 you know, counter service. And my girlfriend looks at me and she goes, I, I really want to be served. I want to sit down. I look out the window. There's this other restaurant. I'm like, I think that's actually a pretty good place. Let's go try it out. We, and I said, if it worst case scenario, we'll come back here. We mm-hmm. go there. We love the restaurant. We love it so much that we didn't plan on it, but we wanted to be in there like three nights in a row. Because they just had this great menu, it was a variety, and it was located within where we were. It was Perfect. great. So, yeah. like sometimes I say to people, like with my clients, is that you know sometimes you you think you're going to the place that you want to be, but it will it it helps you get in the direction or in that promised land that right. you want to be. But it's not it's not that transaction. It's not you're not walking into Starbucks and getting your latte. You're walking into Starbucks and then you may meet somebody there and then meet somebody and then eventually you get to where you want to go. Right. So with that long story said, how did, has doing the angriest trainer helped your career? You know, it's funny because I had produced podcasts before, but they were comedic podcasts. So it it made sense Mm -hmm. with my brand, I guess, if you want Mm -hmm. to call it that, with my flavor. Um, But this was so bizarre that I did have a hard time <laughs> reconciling it. Like, why am I doing this? But it was interesting as I was doing it because Vinny had never done a podcast. I was talking to him like, cause he was like in the first two weeks of us putting up content, he was like, let's call Dr. Drew. And I was like, yeah, we're not ready for Drew. And I know Drew and we're not ready for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got to We got to build it up. It's got to grow organically. And then I realized, oh, well, that's kind of my part in it too. It's got to grow organically. So some things we discovered was Vinny can burn water. He does not know how to cook anything, but he's telling people how to eat, (laughs) telling people NSNG, no sugars, no grains. Well, then guess who knows how to her way around the kitchen? Me. Uh Well, isn't that a nice little bonus? You know what I mean? Of of asking me to be your co-host. We found out we had really good chemistry Mm -hmm. as evidenced by what now this is the second year in a row we've been nominated for the podcast of the year in the health and fitness category. So, you know, things like that have kind of sprung out of it, but I always believe like there was something inspiring me, like you said, to go to the place that would eventually make me wind up at the place across the street that I would enjoy for three nights in a row. Mm -hmm. And there have been so many ancillary benefits, first of all, of me giving up sugars and grains. I felt much better and I have lost weight since then. Um, Me learning about health and fitness, me saying exactly what you were saying earlier about I read Dr. Sarah Gottfried's mm-hmm. hormone cure book, and then I get to stalk her and interview her three times on my show. <laughs> like mm-hmm. to, it, benefits like that that like you wouldn't have as just a regular layperson, I guess. And then um, I don't know as far I, I don't know if it helps acting career or not. I don't really care at this point. I'm having a good time doing it. That's important, and that goes back to like sometimes people think, oh, to be legitimate, it's you know. Can I put it on my resume? Can I put it on my CV? How much money can I say I made to it? But one of the things that you're talking about is you've got these little benefits, right? And mm-hmm. you're having fun doing it. Yeah. And then you you have this cookbook that you're going to finish soon. Yeah. 
that I'm going to get to buy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to finish it. <laughs> I have been working on that. Hey, I, w- I have to tell everybody about this, this planner that I got. I don't know. Have you... Do you use a physical planner? Do you use apps? What do you do? Um, so I have a couple things. I have I use my Google or my Apple whatever calendar. Yes. So I use that. And then I did get a planner this year that I have been using. And it's been an interesting practice. Because <laughs> I feel like I have been on apps for so long. And I'm also, in full disclosure, I'm that person who will try every productivity app that's $3 and under. <laughs> on, on the I've, I've dropped a bunch of three dollars increments incrementally on the iTunes store for like Todoist. Remember the mill? Uh-huh. Every I've tried them all, and for some reason I have not been able to find the one that captures my brain. And I've always liked GTD, getting things done. Uh-huh. I like the idea of that, and I've always been a person who has five million projects going, and then. And I keep everything in my head and it's, it's not working for me. Uh-huh. It's not, I, had to, I had to have a big come to Jesus with myself about a month ago. It's like I had to figure out a new way. So then I was like, <laughs> I got yelled at by my husband because I had four different planners that I, because I was like, okay, time to go back to analog. Time to write some stuff down and get it out of my head. Because what happens, I try these apps and then I never look at them again. <laughs> so the system is obviously not working. I'm like, well, I'll just keep it in my head. But analog seems to be working. Now, I do keep the iCal going. And and unfortunately, the email is a big problem as <laughs> you and I have emailed mm-hmm. back and forth. The email is a big problem because I use it as an inbox and a reminder box, mm-hmm. um, which is bad because once the email goes past the, the window that you're looking at, it, it's gone. <laughs> yep. And then every now and then I'll look at it, I'll go, oh, crap, I didn't email back Corinne. I need to email her. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God, here I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hi. Hi. I'm here. Um, but so I, I did find a planner that I feel like really works with a creative person who has a million things going on. Now there's a little bit of duplication of having to write out the things that are also on my calendar, writing it out, but I like it because then I have this space in between that I am now making myself go, you're going to do that thing that you haven't done for six months. Mm -hmm. You're going to write the chapter on olive oil. (laughs) Damn it. And I did. I, you know, I think you need to come up to Davis. You need to come to up to where I live because UC Davis is three miles away and they have the olive oil place. I, UC Davis releases that study every year. Yes. And I read it because I'm an olive oil nerd. And I just got made fun of by a very good comedian about how I was like, olive oil fraud is rampant and it's pissing me off. And he was like, <laughs> What's wrong with you? I was like, well, it's important. I eat olive oil every day. Every day I eat it. I, I want to eat real olive oil since it's something that I eat every single day. And I cook with it every day. Do you know what olive oil that I use? Villa Capelli. I do. <laughs> really? Yes. Nice. All because of it's, you. It's so good. So. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to have to throw that in Peter. I mean, sorry, in Paul. <laughs> Paul and Stephen's face. Peter and Paul, Stephen. I don't know what their names are. Um. It's really good olive oil. Anyway, I want to plug this planner that I got. I don't know these guys. I totally just randomly found this through Googling. It's called, wait, hold on. What is it? New Year, but it's spelled N-E-U. Yeah, N-E-U year dot net. I got that planner. Okay. And I'm just saying, check it out. It looks, it, it, it worked for me. It's a little 
Oh, it's just good. It basically has your week, and then you can like put on stuff, and then it has like room for like the goals for the day. You know what I mean? The priorities for the week. And then, so you have a week, and then you turn the page, and you've got pages for idea generation. Because are you like that too, where you come up with an idea, and then you're just like constantly writing ideas down? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of moleskin books. <laughs> yes, I love moleskins. And so, I do love moleskin. I journal in those. So I have... um yeah, we talked about our journaling problem before. So I thank yeah. goodness that Moleskin now has multiple colors because I have different colored ones and I have the Perfect. the chevron one and um Ooh, and then perfect. I have a red one for the show. So I but then it's just remembering which ones go in where. So I try well, to keep that. Do you find yourself carrying around a big stack of notebooks? Because you're like, <laughs> I might need all of these. That's what my husband makes fun of me when I walk out to the office with four notebooks and a, a laptop and I'm walking out to my desktop. And then I have my laptop open. <laughs> At one point, I have my laptop open, my desktop's open, the mini iPad's going, and then the phone's right there. <laughs> and he calls me Radio Shack because he's like, I don't, you're like Radio Shack over there. I can't. And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm just more comfortable with everything right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more comfortable getting my EMFs from everything. <laughs> I can have a lot happening too. Yeah, I have my desktop, my my MacBook Pro, my iPad, my iPhone, and then all these journals. So what I have done in the past years with the digital, because this is kind of we're talking about how we really do it with our slasher right. careers. So iCal, I live by iCal, and and now I finally have it. So it's set up on all my Apple devices, which is great because for a long time it wasn't synced. But um, so I all my appointments, my client stuff, guests, all that stuff. I'm I'm really diligent about putting that in. And then I uh, use I used to use just a spiral brown journal because I have so many of them because I'm a bit of a journalaholic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for the last few years I would just kind of write my to-do list in there. And I would hope, you know, just open it up and have a Monday through Friday kind of open on the desk. And I actually like that. This year in August I or I guess last year in August I broke down and I got into the hype and I bought this uh day designer. And um I've kind of struggled with it, but I do like in the sense because it's a page you have to do list. So I just, I don't write down like specifics. I'll kind of block out time on one side of like clients, but I write my to-do list and I actually like that. And then the thing I really like about it is because it's dated or dated and I've always Mm -hmm. stayed away from dated calendars because a lot of times I didn't use them and then Mm -hmm. I just saw the emptiness. But what I can do is today when I'm looking at my stuff, which I haven't written in today, I can go, oh, next Friday and write down what it is that I need to get done on that Friday. So I can kind of book my to, I can make an appointment for my to-do item on that day. And that's been a good practice. I'm yeah, still, that's good. it's still new and it's, you know, sometimes I look and I go, oh, I'm not so good at getting my to-do list. And I need to go back and, you know, revamp some stuff that has still been on the list. But it's a, it's. It takes me a while to get in the groove and, and I do like it. I was ready to throw it out by January. And part of it was there's this whole group of people and I'm not slamming them. I don't do well with it. And they, everybody was really excited. And then they had all these different pens and stuff. And that was just, I was too overwhelmed. So, oh, like a whole process that, in, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a ton of great advice on the internet with like how to get organized. And I felt, I feel like I've gone down the rabbit hole of all of it, but you just have to ultimately find what works for you because. It, David Allen does say that the guy who wrote getting things done, he's like, you can come up with a system, but if you never check in with it mm-hmm. or you still keep everything in your head and you don't put it in a system that you're going to check, then it's not working. You mm-hmm. have to f- do something that works. I'm, I'm still trying to get 
you know, all these pieces of papers that list the projects and then a bunch of action items under them, then figuring out how, how am I going to prioritize my time Mm -hmm. to go through and do things? You know, that's, that's still a kind of a work in progress. Mm -hmm. But you know, like we've, we figured out how to like, well, I'm figuring out how to do a cooking system, right? In my house, you have that down. You figured out how to do an exercise routine Mm -hmm. within your lifestyle. And, and that's something that I've kind of got down. So like, I just, I've given myself permission instead of thinking I have to be the master of everything, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, I suck at it and okay, I'm getting this day planner and there are some days that aren't really filled or I didn't use it, but I'm not going to beat myself up about it. What can I do right now mm-hmm. with it? And, and so, and I don't know if this is going to be that I will purchase this one again for next year or maybe I'll find something else because it's really big and bulky. It's yeah. great. It's great for the desk and you know, except for a couple times, I think last week I was in meetings and so I did take it with me. I normally would never take it with me because it's huge. Yeah. You know, it's like a Bible. It is big. <laughs> it, it really this is like one, a Bible. I, I got to say, this one is pretty big. Here is the all it's, other thing too, is I was trying to get smaller books and then I couldn't because there wasn't enough room to write in them uh, for, for calendars. You know what I mean? So I got this bigger book, but they divide it up into two. They send you two six-month books, so you don't have like a massive giant like my my art history textbook in college. It's like the <laughs> biggest book, and I, I hated going. I love that it was my favorite class of all time, but I hated having to bring the book to it because I was like, oh my god, my back hurts. Yeah. You know, back when we had books. Yeah. <laughs> back in the day. Well, Anna, we've run out of time, so we need to go. We always do. I know, but you're going to be coming back again. Yes, I am. <laughs> so I love that. I'm I'm very excited that you're going to come back and spend time with me. Me too. I love spending time with you. You're awesome. You are awesome too. You are fun. Love fest. So you know what? Last week I asked my newsletter subscribers, I said, what is on your fun list? So you are on my fun list. Talking <gasps> with you is on my fun list. Oh my God, I love it. I'm on someone's fun list. By the way, you're on my fun list too because every morning I write about what I'm going to have fun with. And then this was one of them. So, oh my God, Love Fest continues. There we go. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. So we talked about Sasha careers and we went kind of all over the place. But the big thing I, you know, I invite you to take away from this show is that the legitimacy piece, because I work with a lot of people who may say, oh, well, I don't make much money at this, so it doesn't really count. Or I'm not really legitimate until I get X. And it's really about owning what you do with the idea that, okay, I'm going to work and I'm going to get better at it. What can I learn from it? But owning it and practicing it and owning your own legitimacy instead of looking for outside people to say, oh, you're legitimate. You know, somebody's going to wave the magic wand and say, oh, Corinne, you know, you are now worthy to have a radio show. I, I started a radio show. I had no idea. I had no experience. And, and I kept practicing and I had certain safeguards. Like, I, and I probably shared the story before on the show is when I first started, it was a 30 minute show. And I remember the list of guests that I had that I planned on having, cause I think I had to have six originally when I first started the show. And the first guest that I had was, I just found somebody that was uh, part of the topic and I wanted a, a, an entrepreneur and somebody who was a mom who was trying to balance everything. Cause back then I really believed in life balance and work life balance and, who could talk a lot. And I knew that this person could talk for 30 minutes. And so, especially back then when I was doing live radio, how do I fill the air? And and then the show has grown to listeners around the world. I mean, thousands and thousands is crazy. The amount of people, my husband saw my stats today and he's like, holy moly, look at all these people that listen, right? And it's legitimate. 
And, and I had a friend last week, her husband said, people actually listen to Corinne's show because he's seeing me from a different standpoint. And I don't take offense from that. I know you guys are out there. So with the own your legitimacy and we have these slash, and, and for some of you, maybe some of you, you have that one title and that's who you are. That has never been my case. I've always used to say I had multiple W-2s. Um, when I had one W-2, I had, like you heard, I had multiple titles. And now I have, you know, this weird life that I have, but it's something that I've created that's in line with my values and who I am. And and then listening to, we're going to hear more about, I'm sure the entertainment industry as Anna comes up because that's her world of understanding, right? My world is the swimming world and hers is that. But we're going to talk a lot about mindset because, you know, how do we, how can we be resilient when we are in environments that can knock us down? And so those are going to be our future shows. We'll talk about, you know, how to step into, you know, the minds and step into space and be able to make money, um, living in that space, filling it up, you know, and then we're going to talk about comparison. So those are some show topics. If you have other ones, send me an email and uh, we'd love to hear your ideas and we'll be answering questions as well. Thanks so much for listening. And I want to do a shout out to those of you that have left iTunes reviews um, because it does help our show and it's just fun to go in and read and get information from you guys. So whether they're emails or iTunes reviews, the iTunes reviews helps with the whole analog thing or the whole digital thing of iTunes and helping spread the show. So that's a way for you to give back to the show. Anyways, I want to do a shout out to Rabbit33 and JT Ceramics and Girl Seattle and Happiness Seeker and Co-op PRN 2011. Thank you so much for leaving iTunes reviews. And go ahead and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It's a great way for us to be in contact. I send out weekly uh, letters to you guys in there along with the shows that are going on. So you can sign up for that at www.howshereallydoesit.com. Until the next show, take care. Early morning, fog is lifting. She's in a rowboat on a lake. She is dreaming, she is drifting. Never been so wild.